0: Me at all. When you go to a sporting event, the best seats are up front. I don't know why sometimes, like people at the Body of Christ, they. No, it's okay, I'll sit in the back. I don't get offended too if you need to go um, before I'm done. I am on a time limit this morning, so. Yesterday afternoon, some guy kept saying, just keep going, and I know some of the people were not thrilled with that, but I did finish. But it is a privilege to be with you this morning. Uh, Very quickly, have a resource table back there. This is the best book I ever wrote. The best book, because it's the only book I ever wrote. But but I always say, you don't have to be the best if you're a believer, but you must do your best. God gives honor to every individual. And one of the ways that you understand that you've received the honor that God has given you is you choose to do all things well. He didn't mess up when he made you. So he expects you to do what he did. So uh, this, uh, just quickly, what God does in an individual, he wants to do in cities, regions, and nations. He completely sets people free. He completely makes people whole. He completely puts everything about, everything that Jesus did on the cross was for you to come into complete alignment and shalom with him. And he desires to do that in cities and regions. And also, I have a two-part series on uh, intimacy back there. I'm going to talk about that. It's two parts because it's basically my life message. If you hear me talk about money, I'll talk about intimacy. If you hear me talk about uh, changing nations, I'll talk about intimacy. If you hear me talk about hearing the voice of God, I'll talk about intimacy. So there's kind of a theme there. (laughs) So um, in a moment, it's two parts back there. In a moment, um, I'm just going to ask you to stand. This weekend, there seemed to be... There, there always is, because it's just the will of God. It's just the will of God to make bodies whole. But particularly this this morning, uh, I'm just going to ask you to stand. But before you stand, no, no, before you stand, wait, wait, wait. Some of you are real good. That's good. Before you stand, I want to always encourage people to be really, 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 really intentional, because two things I want you to keep in mind uh, when you stand, uh, when you stand, I want you to stand as a prophetic act that whatever negativity from 2016 you're leaving behind. Yeah. Yeah. Your life is never made better by meditating on something that didn't work. I've never felt, uh, I've never felt better about a situation when I worried about it. Have you? <laughs> and, uh, and God's never told me to worry about anything. He said, you should really worry about that. You know, so, when you stand up, I want you to stand up and leave all negative things of 2016 behind you. Any trauma. And then also, purpose in your heart that any mindset that causes you to see things incorrectly would change in the season. Most believers' problems is not their problem. It's actually how they see their problem. And the other thing... Uh, I believe it's going to happen in a moment. Uh, When you stand, I'll pray in a moment after that, but uh, I'm just going to call out some words of knowledge, and healing is going to flow all across this room. Some of you will be completely healed in that moment. Some of you will be progressive. I don't know why it happens this way. I I just know it works. And a word of knowledge is this. It's Jesus himself saying, I know your condition, and I want to heal it. And I'm Jesus' representative today. And so if Jesus physically came in the room and said, I know your condition and I want to heal it, would you believe him? He doesn't just go, hey, I know your condition and I'd like you to stay miserable. (laughs) It's just not how it works. So I encourage you. I'm just going to count to three. I'll stand and then we'll we'll just minister to the word of knowledge. and And then we'll just pray and we'll open up the word. Is that a good plan? So, Father, uh, I'm just going to just say this for a minute. Thank you that every negative thing is being severed from 2016. And when we stand together, not only do we stand together, but we stand together as one under the banner of Jesus. And, Father, you're the head and the Lord of all things. And thank you because healing was your idea. And so we partner with what you're doing in the room so here's what I want to do. One, two, three, just stand. And if you would just lift your hands to heaven just to honor God in this moment, there it is. Someone with a pain in your right shoulder, it's a shooting pain. It comes and it goes. I believe you've had it about three years. May the Lord Jesus heal you right now in Jesus name, receive healing. Somebody, a pain in the bottom of your feet, it's like a, like you feel like it's pins. In the name of Jesus, receive healing right right now. Vision problems, something uh, I believe with uh, your right eye particularly, it's like a flicker. I just release yeah, the oil of healing. I just release the oil of healing to you in the name of Jesus. So when you have a sore throat in Jesus' name, be healed. In Jesus' name be healed. Just pause for a moment. Sometimes there's just like a settling of God's presence. Someone you have very severe headaches, I believe it runs in your family, and uh, it's it feels like there's a knife going through your, your, your head at times. The Lord Jesus heals you. I'm telling you, I believe you'll be one that just be healed now in Jesus' name. Be healed now in Jesus' name. Be completely, you actually take medication, it doesn't much help. Be healed now in Jesus' name. Lower back pain, the fire of God is on your lower back. Be healed in your lower back. Be healed in your lower back. It, you, the fire of God, it's like in your back and it's going down back of both your legs. It's a sign to you that the Lord is healing you today. Be healed in Jesus' name. And you don't need a word of knowledge to get healed. So all across this room, arthritis, the, Lord, the fire of God is on somebody with arthritis. There might be multiple people in here, but particularly one person. God is healing your arthritis. Be healed now in Jesus' name. You're healed. Power's in the word. So, Father, thank you for bringing us together. In the name of Jesus. Yeah, one more wave. In the name of Jesus, any sickness and disease that was not mentioned, we cancel its... Right knee, be healed in Jesus' name. Right knee, you have like a shooting pain in your right knee. I believe you were very active at one time. You haven't been able to, because of that condition, be healed now in Jesus' name. Any sickness, any disease in this room... I encourage you, if you have anything that wasn't called out, just just say, I receive healing in Jesus' name. Yeah, there it is. Father, thank you today for what you're doing in this room. Thank you for the open heaven. Thank you for the angels of God ascending and descending on this place. We just declare that this is Bethel. This is the house of God. This is holy ground. And, Father, everything that you desire to do in the next few moments, I ask that it would be done. I ask that your people would be good hearers of your word, producing 30, 60, and 100 fold return. Let the spirit of wisdom and revelation just rest upon this word. Father, I need your help. Without you, I can't do anything, but with you, everything's possible. So it's a really good day because I'm with you. put your words in my mouth be glorified let the son of god and the son of man be magnified in this place father let us say we've met with jesus uh-huh. let it be let it mar- mark this day as the beginning of a new grace and new momentum in our life in the nombre de jesus amen you can be seated it's very, very interesting that I find myself after a weekend like this, because I've been on this journey, I call it a journey, for about 20 years now, because as a freshman in college, I had a surrendering moment to the Lord on campus that forever changed the course of my life. I went to Campbell, and I thought I was going to go to uh, going to be a great lawyer and politician, Then I've discovered since then I'm way too honest to be in politics, but God is changing that, but uh, a few months after um, that moment on campus with the Lord at a meeting, uh, I came to this, this church my first year in college, and about right here, I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. I came up for an altar call for people who needed to get saved. I was just hungry. Like, they could call pregnant women, and I'd come down. <laughs> when you're hungry, it's like, wherever God's moving, you know, wise men still move. And so uh, it was an altar call for salvation. And I don't know if he's still alive. Action Jackson. Yes. Yes. I thank God for that man's life because he laid hands. And he said, son, you're, you're saved. And he laid hands on me. And the fire of God came upon me. And I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. So it was a very significant encounter for me. And I've been on this journey for uh, about 20 years from now. I didn't desire to be in ministry. I thought preachers were weird, especially preachers who travel. Because all the ones that came to my church lived <laughs> You know, they they would come Monday through Wednesday and stay in RVs. And I thought, who would ever want to live in an RV? I thank God they have hotels these days. I know some people like to do the outdoors thing. People have said, would you like to go out to the wilderness? It's away from everything. You can rest. I said, is there internet? They said, no. I said, "Is is there any sort of television? No. I said, I'll stay at home. I just don't like that. But it... Became a, a calling from the Lord. I, I I ministry is not a profession to me. It's a calling. It's a divine calling, and um, so part of my journey is here. But one of the things that was put in my journey was this: was I? It wasn't. Uh, it wasn't about having a ministry. It wasn't having a crowd. It wasn't about necessarily moving in the gifts of the Spirit. Then, even though I hungered for the power of God. It was just simply, I, I made a vow, and I've made a lot of mistakes since then, but I made a vow to the Lord that, because I, I th- that was what I told the Lord, I said, I'll do anything you want, I'll, I'll, I'll go anywhere you want, I'll do what you've asked me to do from this day forward, my life is yours. That's a good place to get in your life, and, uh, but I said, I want two things, I, I want to know you, and I want to see the power of God displayed, everything you did in the book, it's got to be possible in my life. I don't want to live with potential. I want to live in manifestation. And so uh, the heart of my life, and I've given my life to, yes, I have a public ministry, but my greatest ministry is a private ministry between me and the Lord. And my greatest desire is to know God. And so as we enter into a new, and, and I just want to say this too, I don't say this with hype. I don't believe in hype. I don't believe in exaggeration because it's called lying. Some of you need to change your voicemails. When you tell somebody, you'll call, call them back. You know, we'll call you. You don't ever call anyone back. You don't ever call your mom back. You don't even text them back. So just say, I'll call you back if I feel like it. <laughs> I was wonder what if I was calling, you know, I know some people, They never, I, I know some leaders, I just talked about this. I know some leaders who never call anyone back. Then you see them, I'm so busy. No, I'm not busy either. <laughs> anyway, that, I'm very unfiltered today. Seems to be the theme this weekend. But uh, I was thinking, what if I called them to give a million dollars? They call me back? You know? Anyway. But I, I say all that to say I believe we live in the greatest time to be alive. With firm conviction, I believe, and even if I don't see the full extent of what I believe the Lord shown me for this hour, I will make decisions that make it better for the next generation. You know, your life, your life makes eternal decisions. Whether you know it or not, every decision you make counts for your children's 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 children, and if you don't choose to do certain things, then your children might have to, might have to take up the grace of what you wouldn't do. And so I've been just on this personal journey, and I just felt that in this first Sunday of the year that I just wanted to talk about what the most important thing in your, in your life, no matter what your profession, no matter what stage you are in your life. But I want to talk to you about uh, living a life of fellowship with the Lord. I, I don't really have New Year's resolutions except one. God, I want to know you more. If you you unlock that key right, everything else in your life comes into alignment. So let's start in, uh, if you want to follow me in your Bibles today, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, it's really, really important to understand God's original intent in the way he made humanity. Genesis uh, chapter 1, verse 26 through 28. Then God said, let us make man in our image Excuse me. Image. Everybody say image. image. It's important. According to our likeness, let him have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over all the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. I love what Charles Capp said many years ago. He goes, that means you have dominion over creepy people. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God. He created a male and female. That's why men and women get married, not two women, not two men. Then God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Uh, First thing I want to point out there, in God's original intent, he made you in his image. Image is, is simply defined as this. It's likeness, resemblance, patterned after. God gave to humanity a part of himself so that you could be everything he's called you to be in the earth. And because you are made in the image of God, because you come from God, because it's fascinating, you know, only God can make beauty from dirt. Because you're made in the image of God, you actually have a longing to be fascinated with God. One of the challenges in the Western church is, Probably a good percentage, I don't care to say how high that percentage is, they're not really fascinated with God. And so they, they actually look for their fascination and entertainment and different things. There's nothing wrong with having fun in life, but if that fun doesn't, is not, if, if your life is not being fascinated by God and you're in Christ, there's a major issue. And, and the other beautiful thing about this, you, you were created for fellowship, but everything that cr- God created man and woman to do, he already gave him the gift to do. <laughs> like, like, my desire is to live this life of fellowship, but I'm actually just giving back to God the gift he gave me so I could fellowship with him. You have a choice, but the great thing about that choice is you have been given the power to choose correctly. That's why in Christ there's no victims. And that's really important in our culture because everybody's a victim. It's nobody's fault for anything they did. And there's a whole group of political leaders who will make you a victim. Don't engage that spirit. Paramount to God's purpose in the earth was for humanity uh, to live an eternal life of deep fellowship with God. And here's some important characteristics because... Even though it's in the garden, we'll see that Jesus restored everything that was, uh, uh, that was lost in the garden. So these are some characteristics that are important if you're going to relate to God correctly. Number one, humanity was blessed from the first day. In it, If you're in Christ, you're not trying to get blessed. You're already blessed. Right. So many people are spending so much energy trying, well, bless me, bless me, Lord. You know, you're already blessed. So start out from the place of blessing and always look at every difficult thing that happens in your life to your advantage. Number two, from the first day, humanity was made acceptable to God. When God saw humanity, he said it was very good. He did a good job. Anytime you don't see yourself as God seeing you, what you're saying is I'm choosing, I'm choosing to see myself as the enemy sees me, not as God sees me. Another characteristic, humanity was made to know the approval of God without ever having to perform. He was good on the first day. We don't commune with God. We don't spend intentional time with God. We don't fast and pray to get to get approval from God. We come from the place of approval, and it changes our affections so our affections can more, 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 uh, more graciously receive what he's already done. You are also created to think like God and this is also really important. You were born to rule and reign in the environment, not be defined by the environment around you. Amen. It's there's something distorted in a group of people who want to be ruled over. But yet there's whole nations that turn in revolution government take care of us, do this, do that. What is that? That's why where you see communism flourish, there is there's a, a, a taught principle, there is no God because government becomes your God. And by the way, it only works for the people at the top. <laughs> Democratic socialism. that's so demonic. It's just a lie. If you believe that stuff, you have been, you, you have been educated according to a Babylonian system, not the ways of God. People are like, are you talking policy? No, I'm telling you what the Bible says. And you were given as a gift to the earth before you ever existed. God knew what day he would put you in. Here's the final thing. Humanity was given the power of choice. Now we know Adam and Eve stepped out of alignment with God. See, their choice affected you, but thank God, Jesus' choice affected you too. This is what Paul puts, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 45. So it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last, Adam, became a life-giving spirit. However, the spiritual is not first, but the natural and afterward, the spiritual. The first man was of the earth, made of dust. The second man is the Lord from heaven. I don't know about you, but if you're bored reading scripture, you need deliverance. <laughs> Verse 49, and as we have borne the image of the man of dust, so shall we bear, I'm reading out of the New King James, if you're wondering, so shall we bear the image of the heavenly man. So whether you know it or not, a divine transfer occurred when you came into the kingdom of God. Not only did you switch identities, but you had the ability to switch from the system of this world to the system of God the writer of Hebrews says that the Holy Spirit is actually the power of the age to come. So you actually have the power of the age to come that has come upon the inside of you to shift eternity in the hour you live. He actually, Paul would later put language, he says we are seated in heavenly places. That is a present reality. There's tenses in the Greek. I'm not a Greek scholar but I know enough to know this. And when he says you're seated in heaven, he actually actually declares that to be a present tense. So you, you are a citizen of heaven living on the earth as an ambassador of heaven, to show people what it's like to walk with God on the earth. Amen. But here's an important principle: the kingdom of God can only be understood when it's the primary pursuit of your life. The king may say that again: the kingdom of God can only properly be understood when it's the primary pursuit of your life. Many believers are trying to add God. To, the, to, the, to, the, to their discipleship understanding from the world system. It's a completely shift in the way you think when you come into the kingdom of God. So sometimes, and I'll just use this example because it's fun to use. If you get bored again and then you hear someone teach about tithing, there's a, there, there's a lie that will try and rob you from thinking like the kingdom. Go, the church just want your money. What is that? A lie. It's a poverty sp- spirit trying to keep you from stepping into a place of flourishing financially and acting like God by being a giver. Amen. So here's what Jesus said, and Jesus speaks this statement within the context of the cares of this world. And he actually rebukes, uh, he, he, he says, generation of unbelief. One of the, one of the most common sins that is often uh, tolerated by many believers is a sin of unbelief, and they call it being real. <laughs> I, I'm, just, you know, I'm just telling you what I see. Well, you're not called to, by, not called to think by what you see. You're <laughs> called to think by what he said. Amen. So he says this, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Now, I want to mention a point here that has been fascinating to me over the last number of years. And it's a term that the gospel writers use uh, when talking about Jesus' ministry in the earth. Uh, I think it's 174 times they use this, this concept of the multitude being around Jesus. There's a multitude around Jesus, a multitude around Jesus. And I believe one of the reasons that they put it in there, and I encourage you as you read Scripture this year, read the New Testament, you'll, 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 you should read the Bible. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> it's a good place to start. But you'll notice that there were a multitude of people around Jesus, but there was a defining thing. Just because you were around Jesus doesn't mean you were a disciple of Jesus. And just because you were around Jesus, did you receive everything you needed from Jesus or what was possible? But there's, a, but there's something interesting, though. If you were around Jesus, you probably... Knew his messages and you probably knew his acts. And so there was a culture around Jesus that the world had never seen. So it was possible to act like or to have an understanding of his acts, of his ways, of his word. You maybe could recite some of the things he said, but there was a difference if you received what he said. And I believe the same thing has infected sometimes believing communities. A lot of people know what he says, a lot of people know what he did, but they're actually not in alignment with him. Jesus would actually talk about this because he, he would say, he who has ears, let him hear. I want to suggest to you that everyone there had ears. They just were listening to what he was saying. A true disciple is not perfect, but has made an intentional choice to surrender. They're not perfected in the moment, but they're wise enough to fully surrender their life. And let me just say this too. Your life will never be what God purposed before the foundation of the earth unless you make a conscious decision to make God a priority in your life. And here's the thing. God didn't ask you to try and do something. He asked you to do something. There's a big difference. How I many you are married? I love this analogy. Are you trying to be married? If you're trying to be married, you might be in a counselor office. If you are married, then you're probably doing Okay. Some of you are probably very good employees. You're not trying to show up to work on time. You are showing up for work on time. See what I'm saying? Most Western Christians, when they say they're going to try and do something, it usually means, I know I should do that, but really I don't want to do it, so I'm just going to make you feel good in the moment and tell you I'm going to try and do it. <laughs> Sometimes I will get very straightforward. I will go, "What does that mean? Does that mean you're going to do it or not?" <laughs> the Godhead offers us an invitation to return to God's original intention. When we make the kingdom of God the priority of our life, we begin to process. Of, excuse me, we begin the process of learning to live from heaven towards earth. This is what Jesus said in Matthew 11. Come to me, all you who are heavy laden, and I will give you, excuse me, who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. It's from the place of rest. It's a beautiful thing. But then he says, take my yoke upon you. And Peter, I was was reading this this week, really meditating on, on this. He said, cast your care upon me. It's not... Uh, It's not an optional thing. He's actually given you an apostolic command that when you put the burden of this world, the burden of your children, burden of your work, burden of your finances, when you allow that to stay upon yourself, what you're actually saying is, God, you're not big enough to handle this issue in my life. Then he says this, and this is really important because it starts from a place of rest, true fellowship. You you, you must make a conscious decision to make this divine exchange between you and God. God, you're Lord over this. It's not my issue. You're Lord over this. You're not, it's not my issue. You're Lord over this. It's not my issue. I choose to give it back to you because this is not my burden. There's something freeing where you're like, this issue is yours. This unsaved relative is yours. This, this ministry, it's yours. It's yours. It's yours. And you're like, ooh, that feels good. And then he throws this line in here because this is really important because I find many people are so overcome with the things of this world they can never get to this next verse. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. That's one of the greatest verses in the Bible. Learn of him. You should ask yourself, God, what does it mean in 2017 for me to learn of you? For I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. Has this last season been restful for you? It doesn't mean you don't have any issues, but you can stand and rest the whole time. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. God has a deep desire to relate to humanity his, as, as his sons and daughters and as his friends. He's looking for friends. He's in this, in this outstanding thing that God is doing in the earth that we saw uh, Partially, what he was doing the last few days. He's not looking for the next great preacher. He's not looking for the next great gospel singer. He's not looking for the next miracle worker, Betty Hinn. He is looking for friends. Yeah. John 15. If you haven't discovered, I really like scripture. I no longer call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. I often will personalize that verse. I'll say, you call me friend, Father. So all things you have to tell me, you'll let me know. Amen. So here are some characteristics of friends. Here's the first characteristic. Certainly not exhaustive, uh, but uh, qualitative this morning. Characteristics of friends. I believe these principles will really help you as you choose to cooperate with the grace of God to live a life of fellowship. Number one, friends of God are defined by their fellowship with God. Fellowship with God has become the consuming passion of their life. They're not trying to have fellowship with God. They are having fellowship with God. Psalm 27, verse 4. One thing have I desired, that will I seek. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. And then it gets better. See, he was fascinated by God. God was this fascinating thing to him. Many believers that I know struggle with different things or whatever it may be. It's just because, first of all, they probably don't know how valuable they are. Second of all, they haven't learned fascination with God. To behold the beauty of the Lord and inquire in his temple. Number two, they're intentional in fellowship with God. What does intentional mean? It's done with purpose. So how do you you start this thing? I I, I just tell people, morning, late, I don't care what time it is. I wouldn't put what the Lord's asked me to do on you. We're all different places in life, whether it's morning or night, find time. Like I'm too busy. it goes back to Matthew 6.33. If you're too busy, then you've probably put upon yourself some responsibility and some things that God would actually probably like to partner with you on to simplify your life. I got two amen. It's still true anyway. Start with 10 minutes. Start with five minutes. On your way to work, pray in the Holy Ghost. Paul was Southern. He said, I pray more in more tongues than you all. Take five minutes. Take ten minutes. Put on some worship music. You don't have to read a whole lot of scripture, but I encourage people to have a Bible reading plan. Meditate on scripture. Allow that to define your thinking. What's meditation? You ever worry about anything? Just go the other way and put a scripture in it. Intentional means it's done with purpose. But here's the most beautiful thing. God longs to respond to your choice to pursue him. Find this in Exodus 3. Exodus 3, verse 1. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro and his father, the priest of the Midian, and he led the flock to the back of the desert. I'm telling you, God is really funny. Moses is thinking, I'm going to be a shepherd the rest of my life, and here comes an invasion from God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame from the midst of the bush. So he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. I always think, what happens to Moses' life if he doesn't turn and go, I want to see what's happening in this bush? Does he just go back to his home group and go, hey guys, I saw a burning bush. It was cool. And that was the end of it. Verse 3. I will now turn aside. See, it was an intentional turning. I'm going to turn this way to God. I'm going to set aside ten. And by the way, once you do that, that's not going to be enough time. Sometimes I ask God to wake me up early on three or four hours. Just wake me up early so I can talk to you. You know, Muslims, they're looking for a God they can talk to. And many believers in Christ are not talking to a God who wants to talk to them. So when the Lord, I love this. So when the Lord saw that he turned aside, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses, God is looking for your intentional choice to turn. Because he's going, that's what I respond to. It's a verse. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. It might not be fireworks the first few days you do it. Remember the... First day in that dorm room, at Campbell, I said, I'm going to talk to God. After about five minutes, which was, I sure it was at least two hours that I prayed about everything I could pray about. You know, I didn't have any of those moments that you read about some books. I've had those moments later, thank God. You know, no angel came in the room. I said to myself, this is so boring. How do people talk to God? But I realized, first of all, I realized James 4 was true. So you have to get to the place in your life where the Bible is actually true in your life. Either the Bible is true or it's not. So I said, this verse has got to be true. So I'm going to believe this verse, not what I'm experiencing. And I'm going to make my experience this verse. Number three. They develop, friends of God, develop and steward a desire to know God. See, you have an an instinct. I said a a while ago, you have an instinct in your DNA, even if you're not in Christ, you have an instinct thing that goes, I want to know God, whether you know it or not. But you must steward that desire. You must see the, 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 the longer you make that intentional choice, day after day, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, to make a conscious decision, you actually feed that desire. You see this in your body. I do, I do pretty good. I try and stay off. I can't eat ice cream every day. That's why I work out. I know you can tell, some of you. You're, you're very impressed with my physique. But you say, my God. <laughs> it's my friend Brian here. But I can't eat ice cream every day. I love ice cream. But I can't eat ice cream every day if I'm going to be halfway healthy. But I notice if I have some ice cream, I had some during Christmas. Or if I go up to Cheesecake Factory and have a red velvet cheesecake that I haven't had in like two months. The next day I go, oh, Jesus, I'd like another piece of cheesecake. Why? Because I I fed a desire When you feed your desire, the great thing about God, it's like even after wonderful times like we had this weekend or wonderful times of fellowship with the Lord or talking to the Lord, you're like, this is amazing. But the way of the kingdom is satisfied but never complete. I don't understand people who like, they kind of like where they're at in God. A lot of of communities, they kind of like where we're at in God. You know what the will of God is? The will of God is to fill this auditorium about six, seven times on a Sunday morning. Amen. With people worshiping God. I mean, he wants everyone to get saved. What if just a thousand of them started coming here? Satisfied, but never complete. Matthew 5. Blessed are those, what? What? Who hunger and thirst for righteousness? For they shall be filled. When you steward your hunger for God, it actually makes you more hungry. I had this picture years ago, and in this picture was the table of the Lord. And from one end to the other, you couldn't even see the other end because that's what it's like to walk with God, like. I know we have, we have these things, these terms. We use. Well, he, he's really mature. He's been walking with the Lord for a while. And, you know, and by the way, just because you've been saved for 20 years doesn't mean you're mature. You might just be taking kindergarten for 20 years. Sorry to tell you. But this young man came and ate at the table of the Lord. I call it the table of the Lord. That's how I interpreted it. And Jesus was standing right there. And he goes, oh, my God, this is amazing. He starts eating the first thing at the end of that table. And, he, and, he, and, and this was by translation. It's almost like, this is revival. This is amazing. This is, like, so awesome. And then he leaves. And Jesus is like, but there's more. There's all this. But he thought it was revival. We stop way short of what God has for us. I have a few more things to say, then I'll land the plane. Psalm 84, 32, my soul longs and even faints for the courts of the Lord. Now here's an interesting statement he makes. This is David. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. It's, it's really interesting, right? I don't necessarily teach out of a paradigm like this, but often say, yeah, your flesh, your nasty flesh, and you know, like people are like having internal schizophrenia inside themselves. Paul, excuse me, David, in an old covenant, had so lived a lifestyle of intentional fellowship with God, his body actually craved for the presence of God. I feel that sometimes. Sometimes I'm working at my desk and I'll just hear the Holy Spirit go, I'd like to talk to you right now. Can you put that down? I'd like to spend some time with you in worship. fourth principle friends of god encounter god as a lifestyle so the lord spoke to moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend there are so many encounters waiting for you number 5 they're defined friends of god are defined by the voice of god and know the voice of god if you're in relationship with god you should know his voice jesus made this statement Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word. Every word. Not every word preached on Sunday. That's part of it. But every word that proceeds of the mouth of God. If you're in Christ, you must know his voice. One of the fruits of being in fellowship with God is you know his voice. Some people are like, how do you know his voice? Because I talk to God. I hear his voice. If you're in Christ too, you should never say, I don't hear his voice. Oh, I have such trouble hearing his voice. You have to align up your language with Scripture. I got one amen. It's still true. A few more and I will land the plane. I know it's 12.05, but you're listening. You're engaged. It says Pentecostal holiness in your name. So you're not expecting to go home anytime soon, right? No, I will land the plane. I have my marching orders. But this, this is important. Friends of God move from concept into experience. What does that mean? Friends, A lot of people have ideas about God. A lot of people have ideas about the love of God. A lot of people have ideas about the kindness of God. It's, there's a, defi- there's a, def- a definite difference between having an idea of God and actually experiencing that for yourself. A lot of people will debate with you. They're really like, I got healed. They'll tell you all, all this stuff, but they never actually experience anything that they're debating about. Apostolic Christianity is this. This is how John put it. That which was from the beginning, which we heard, we have seen with our eyes. Have you seen God with your own eyes? Which we have looked upon in our hands. Now, he's speaking about the manifestation, but you can actually experience God. Concerning the word of life, the life which was manifested, and we have seen and bear witness to you and declared to you that eternal life, which was from the Father, was manifested to us. Now it gets better, because Scripture always gets better. It's good news. That which we have seen and heard, we declare to you that you may also have fellowship with us. And truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. So I want to ask you a question. Is God an idea or a relational experience to you? Two more principles. Friends of God have access to the mysteries of God. Friends of God have access to the mysteries of God. What does that mean? Jesus said this, I will open my mouth and I will utter things kept secret from the foundation of the world. You can't know everything about God, but you can know everything that you need to know about your assignment. You ever hear of uh, George Washington Carver, the peanut guy? He actually, re- most, uh, a lot of uh, secular h- h- uh, history, they don't say that he was a believer. And he's this black gentleman who actually, they credit him for totally reshifting the economy of the South. And he invented, I don't know how many inventions from peanuts. Crayons, all this stuff. And he was a believer. And he would say, when I go into my shop, basically, I I, I want to paraphrase, I don't have the exact quote in front of me, basically he was saying, it's no hit or miss, God reveals to me secrets. And he asked God, he said, God, I want to know everything about you. He said, no, you can't know everything about me, but I'll let you know everything about the peanut. (laughs) We laugh, but whatever sphere of influence God has called you to, you can know everything you need to know about it. I love walking with God because when you walk with God, He makes you look smart. It's true. Either the Bible's true or it's not. If anyone lacks wisdom, what? Let him ask of God who gives to all he doesn't go, Well, you're not a preacher, so I can't give you any help with that. I'm telling you, you can see the world differently. I, I'm I'm gonna land. I really am gonna land, but I do think I want to say this. Here's really, really important. I I probably said that a million times. Everything I think I say is important sometimes. (laughs) You will only have authority in the place that God has called you to govern. And what do I mean by that? I mean this: Your authority is connected to your purpose. And so a lot of times people go, I'm you know, binding and loosing principalities, demons, and all this stuff. But they have no authority in that realm or to pray that prayer. There's a, and I describe it this way. There's a believer's authority that God has given to every believer. Every believer has authority over demons. Every believer has authority over sickness and disease. Every believer has authority over whatever you name individually that would attack you and your family. And there's a general authority of every believer. But then there is a specific authority that comes with your purpose and your assignment. Say this, I have an advanced degree from Campbell University in education, but I can't go to a Harnett County school tomorrow and stand up and go, I, I have authority to teach here. They're going to lock me up and put me on a website and say, keep this man away from your children. <laughs> Why? Because God has not given me governing authority in the school, and I didn't go through the proper channels. But I do have authority to do what I'm doing today because God has placed me in an office in the church, and he's given me authority to teach the word, preach the word, and call people into alignment. And I've been invited here to be a guest to do that. So you only have authority to govern in the place that you're at. Why am I saying that? Because the most important thing that you need to discover in your life is where your purpose lies. If you're called to be in business, don't desire to be in ministry because your authority to govern is in business. If you're called to education, you, you know, it doesn't mean you can't teach the word or anything like that. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying understand where your authority lies because that's where you govern. And your authority might be simply taking care of your, 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 your mother right now because she's sick. That's your authority right then. We don't have to make it any more complicated than that. Amen. Amen. Do you receive this word? Yes. If you receive this word, why don't you just stand to your feet and just lift your hands. <speaking in Spanish> just lift your voice for a minute. <speaking in Spanish> yeah. Yeah. Father, we honor you today, and we receive your word. We receive your word. We say yes and amen to your word. We say yes and amen to your word. We We honor you today. We say we put you first today in the name of Jesus. And the Lord would say, even to this house today, I am restoring even a flame that was lost in previous years. And I desire 2017 to release to you a new momentum to step in to the power and the purpose of God. My desire is to make this a house of miracles. My desire is to make this a house of coming together, of races, Hispanics, blacks, whites, all coming together as one. I I know at one time you had a Spanish congregation here, but I, I just see like teaching, and as it's teaching, there's translation in Spanish. I desire this house to be a house of gathering for the nations of the earth. I desire this house to be a house of revival and reformation. so For even truly when I placed you in this city, I planted you as a forerunner house to advance the purpose of God. To advance the message of power. To advance the message of Pentecost in this area. And over the years... Over the years, the enemy has tried to rob that purpose, but I say to you, I am realigning your ways with the ways of heaven even today. And there is a key. There is a key. I see a key and like a wave, and it is a wave that the Lord wants you to partner with him in the area of worship and intercession to turn the tide. The Lord says, I desire to turn the tide in 2017. I desire to turn the tide where it seems like when you turn the corner sometimes in the spirit, it seems like a restrictive spirit comes and robs that momentum. I say to you, I want to abort that restrictive spirit and I want you to live in alignment with heaven. It doesn't mean that there won't be mountains. It doesn't mean that there won't be challenges. It doesn't mean that there won't be things that you don't understand. But the Lord says, even as I said through my son Jesus that I would build my church and the gates of hell would not prevail, I say to you, I want to make you a prevailing force in the earth. A prevailing force force in this city, a prevailing sound in this city, I want to amplify your sound in this city, I want to amplify your purpose, I want to amplify your effectiveness, I want to amplify the power that is released through this house. It's been said many times this week, and I'm not trying to prolong this, but I'm just going to count to three. And I believe there's a, there's a call today as we respond to the word of the Lord, a call today to once again, on this first day of the year, renew our commitment to present ourselves as living sacrifice. And I'm telling you, this by the Spirit of God, there's a release and there's an impartation of the fire of God for you to enter into 2017 as you present yourself as living sacrifice. I encourage you, you don't have to, but I really encourage you, one, two, three, just come forward and just present your body. Just come to this altar here today. Present your body as a living sacrifice. I don't know if some musicians can come. Just, just come. You know, God's moving all over this room, but particularly He's moving on this altar here. There's something about the altar here. There's something about the altar here. If, you, if some musicians would come, I don't know if that's possible. shakaya. <laughs> Morabakaya, tomohaya, tobokaya. Komasakaya. Komasakamaya, tabukaya. Kamasakaya, bakaya. Kamasoka. The Lord says that He wants some of your greatest years of fruitfulness and effectiveness to come in this season. I didn't retire you. I just redefined you. Jesus is touching your ears to hear. And there'll be a swift word and understanding come to you in this next season of the purpose of God for your life. And Jesus is standing in front of you and he's putting his hand on your heart and refining your heart for a place of fellowship like you have not known. And the joy of the Lord will be your strength. Where the enemy has robbed you, the joy of the Lord will be your strength., why don't you just lift your hands? I want you to I want you to just repeat this word for me, and the fire of God is going to come. It's already here, but it's just going to, it's just gonna come upon your life. With me, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, with your help, I present myself as a living sacrifice. Come, Holy Spirit, release your fire on my life, whatever it looks like, I receive. Of God. I see the fire. I see the fire of God falling on people's hands. I see the fire of God upon people's hearts. I see Jesus touching people's eyes to see. Ma shaka ba sukayaba sakayabu sakaya. Yimbu kayabu sakayabu shakaya. Ma kayabu shakayabu shakayaba sakaya. Mashaka ya boshaka basakaya basaka ya shakaba Mashaka basiki buya ya boshah ya basaka ya bukaya yeko boshaka basa I want you to just take a moment now there's a moment here that is really personal between you and the Lord just in your own language just before the Lord just say Lord I, I, I you don't have to do we're not going to do a corporate prayer but just, just right where you stand in this place just make a fresh commitment for a life of fellowship with God Make a fresh commitment to cast your burdens on the Lord. I'm telling you, by the Spirit of God, some of you are going to hear the voice of God like never before in this season some of you are going to have dreams in this season that you've never had some of you feel right now there's a fire on your hands and it's a sign to you that the Lord is anointing your hands as hands of healing some of you feel like a fire on your mouth I bless the fire on your mouth some of you feel like a fire on your feet it's a prophetic sign that you're going to walk in a place that you've never walked before Mosha haya it doesn't matter if you don't feel anything but there's some of you very specifically you feel like a hand on your chest and it's actually the hand of Jesus and it's just he's putting his hands on your on your on your chest he's going you are my beloved son and today I'm marking you for a life of fellowship as never before Minister to you it's just between you and him right now wave from my right to the left of just, just, I encourage you to lift your hands, there's a wave of the fire of God right there, receive the fire of God in Jesus' name, fire on some people's heads, fire on some of your ears, fire on your feet. Some of you as that fire came, your body was healed, you didn't even notice it when you get home, but you'll go, oh, that doesn't hurt anymore. I'm healed. I just bless you in this new year to walk where you've never walked, to hear what you've never heard, to do what you've never done. I bless you with the grace to radically obey a good father. Amen. You look this way. Thank you very much for allowing me to minister to you. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Well, Ebner, thank you so much. Uh, receive this word, Amen, Church. Huh? I forgot to thank you publicly. You weren't here last night. Thank you for allowing us to come and use your facility this week. We obviously wouldn't happen without you guys. So I just want to publicly thank you guys. Thanks. You're, you're most welcome. Take this word. Use it. Twenty seventeen would be a great year, and Mary has chosen that better part which cannot be taken away from her. Intimacy brings everything that we need, and out of intimacy, everything flows that God wants us to give. God bless you. Have a great day. God bless you. Stop by out front, visit with Abner's staff. It's got a product table out there. Have a great day.